Good morning, I'm Mike Wetzel and welcome to Together Church. Today I want to speak with you for a little while about mind games. It's uh, games that Satan likes to play with us. He likes to try to plant thoughts in our mind and, and use those mind games to get us to do what he wants to do. But I want to talk for a little while about the subject of spiritual warfare today. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 2-5. through 5. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Ephesians six twelve, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You know, the Christian life is a life of a spiritual battle. If you're a Christian today, you're going to be in a spiritual warfare. That's whether you want to be or you don't want to be, you're, you are in that. And uh, we're fighting a battle against spiritual forces aligned against Christ. Fighting this spiritual warfare, uh, we can't fight with the weapons of this world. And that's why this, this, the uh, scripture says that, you know, we don't, we don't live by the standards of this world. And we don't fight with the weapons of this world. You can't fight a spiritual warfare with physical weapons. It just doesn't work. Sometimes it would be good if we could. It'd be easier for us. But it also says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So many times what the Satan will do is he'll influence or manipulate another person to say things to us, to hurt us, to to damage our feelings, to to come against us. And during those times, the first thing that we want to do is rise up against that person and lay hands on them and not to pray for them either. But, uh, but anyway, but our struggle is not against that person. And we need to understand that Satan will manipulate people. So we don't, we don't need to be mad at that person that's coming against us because it's not that person. It's the spirit using that person. So we need to get mad at the devil. We need to get mad at uh, it's Satan for doing the, the things that he does to try to manipulate people and manipulate us. Uh, you know, a spiritual battle requires spiritual weapons that only come from God. You know, before we engage in spiritual warfare, we should know this about Satan. He is an ancient and extremely dangerous foe. We should never get cocky or... or uh, uh, prideful in the fact, you know, no matter how good you're doing, you may be really living for God and you may be, you know, fighting the battle and spiritual warfare and doing a great job at it, but we can never get to the point to let our guard down because Satan has been around for many, many years and he's, and you know, he's, he's, uh, been working with us for a long time. He knows what to do. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strong points and you know, we can't defeat the enemy that with, uh, without using the weapons of our, that God has given us. You know, Adam and Eve, they were in paradise and they fell. So, 
Lucifer himself was a worship leader in heaven, and yet he fell. So uh, there's there's uh, there's never we never need to get to the point where we think we can't fall because we can. You know, our enemy's been deceiving mankind for thousands of years, and he's out to deceive us. He wants to torment us, and he wants to destroy us. He wants to keep us from the truth because he knows that the truth of God's word, when it's applied to our lives, that will truly set us free. In John chapter 8, verse 32, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, it's not the truth alone that sets us free, but it's the truth that we know. And that's why it's so important for us to know the truth of God's word so that truth can set us free from the mind games that Satan wants to try to play with us. A lot of people fall into the trap, fall into Satan's trap so easy because they're, they don't read the word, they don't study it. We don't have a close enough relationship with God. We Our minds get carnal, we begin to think, on the things of this world more than we do spiritual things. And so we're really easy prey a lot of times for Satan. You know, the attack that Satan uses starts in the mind. That's his primary means, the beginning of, of his destruction for us. He tries to play mind games. You know, the area of our thoughts is the main battleground. If allowed, it'll spread to other areas of our life. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, Satan, he'll, he'll send a thought into our minds and he will try to twist the, the truth of God's word in such a way that it's no longer absolute. That our specific situation is so special or unique that we're not bound by the same rules as everyone else. You know, we try to rationalize and excuse and reason the truth into exactly what we want to hear. You know, Satan did that to Eve in, in Genesis chapter 3. Let's go there. Genesis 3, 4, and 5. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, Satan twisted the truth of God's word and tried to make Eve believe that if she ate the fruit, she wouldn't die, but she would be enlightened to and be like God himself. But he lied to her and she bought the lie. She she listened to what he had to say and that and she wanted so bad to have that knowledge that she went ahead and, and ate the fruit and so did Eve, Adam and Eve both. And then that's when everything began to go downhill when they did that. You know, the battle is in the mind. And that's where the thoughts that Satan wants to slip in there. Let's look at another example. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 18 through 23. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on, on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this weakness, wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive descent. 
You see, Simon, he was motivated by a thought. Satan put a thought in Simon's mind to where, look, if I can get them to give me this gift and I can, you know, pour the Holy Spirit out on people when I pray for them, they receive the Holy Spirit, then I can make a lot of money. See, it was greed. He used greed in Simon's life to make him that thought turn into, instead of wanting the Holy Spirit in his life to give him the power over Satan and give him a, you know, be able to, to live his life. He, instead, he wanted to use that gift in a corrupt way. See, there, there are people today that try to do the same thing. They want that. They, they'll, they'll get on TV or radio or wherever and, and, uh, and they'll begin to, to try to make money off the Holy Spirit and make money off of God. I will tell you, that's God is very, when you do that, there's a hot place in hell for people like that. I want to tell you something. Uh, God doesn't appreciate it all, us trying to manipulate the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a gift for us to have. And that's why Peter told Simon, he said, you know, your heart is full of bitterness and can't do the sin. He said, you need to ask God to forgive you for that thought that you had in your mind. See, Satan planted that thought. And I'm sure Simon thought about it and he thought about it. He was, he was in this great revival and he, he was watching what was going on. He saw uh, the power of the Holy Spirit moving and everyone that the apostles prayed for were receiving the Holy Spirit. And Simon kept thinking about things until he ended up letting that thought become a stronghold in his life. And once that thought became a stronghold, then he acted upon it. And that's when Peter called him out for what he was doing. There's no record of whether Simon ever repented of his sins and, or not. So we don't know. But we do know that Satan planted a thought in his mind and, and he bought that thought. You know, the enemy's primary approach is to drop a thought into our mind. And he wants us to accept it and to act upon it. You know, the danger is when we do that, it becomes a stronghold in our life. And there are a lot of people today that Satan has put thoughts in your life and you accepted those thoughts and now they're a stronghold. You know, there are some thoughts that are like, I'm no good. You think you're no good. You know, Satan told you you were no good. Maybe he used your parents or somebody in your life to tell you you were no good. But you need to, to understand you are good. Satan, that is a lie from Satan. There's somebody... Some people say, well, I'll never make it to heaven. I can't be good enough. No, you can't. But all you have to do is allow Jesus Christ into your life and you can go to heaven. I'll never recover. I'll be sick from, from now on. I'm nothing. I'll never amount to anything. I, and some people say, well, I've been hurt by church people, so I'm not going to go to church. You know, if you ever do go to church, chances are, yes, you will be hurt by church people. But you know what? If you go to work, you're going to be hurt by people at work. If you go visit your family, you're going to be hurt by family members. You know, that, that's just part of it. Just because people are Christian doesn't make them perfect. Matter of fact, we're so far from it. You know, we're, at all we, we're just saying, God, help us every day. And God does use us. God uses us for his glory. And sometimes we allow Satan to use us, uh, to, to manipulate us, to say things. So we... When, when you, you need to understand that Satan is trying to put a thought in your mind to tell you that you're no good or you're not going to make it or, or some kind of negative thought for you to take that and it become a stronghold in your life. But what we need to do is replace the lie 
that Satan gives you with the truth of God's word. The only way to overcome Satan is by using the word of God. And that's what, that's what Jesus used. When Satan came against him and tried to, to manipulate Jesus, he told him, he used the word of God to, you know, against him. And, you know, maybe, maybe you've been convinced that your destiny is to suffer defeat, suffer pain, to have broken relationships, to, you know, you're just convinced that your life is messed up and it can never be changed. But I want to tell you something. One word from God can change your destiny forever. And I want to, I got a little story I want to tell you about my grandfather. My grandfather, he grew up in the early 1900s, 1930s or so, and he, uh, he grew up very poor. He had polio as a child, and, and he had to wear braces. He couldn't walk. Uh, and, and the only connection that he had to, to Christ and his entire family was his, his grandmother. And one night, she came into his room. He was about five years old, four or five, and uh, prayed for him. And God healed his legs. He never wore a brace again for the rest of his life, but he always had a limp. I can remember that limp to this day in my grandfather. But you know that our family was so messed up back then. My my grandfather, his father abandoned him and his brothers when he was just a young boy. Matter of fact, his father left a five dollar bill with a note on it that said, "Give this to your mother," and that was the last time my grandfather had any connection with his father. My my grandfather's brother, he jumped off a bridge into the Mississippi River and committed suicide. You know, our family had a long history of tragedy, alcoholism, child abuse. Uh, you, you name it, this family was so dysfunctional, so messed up. My grandfather was so far away from God, and the whole family was that way. And then one night, my grandfather, when he was about 15 years old, he, was wor he worked in the vaudeville shows. I don't know if you remember that, but... Back in the 1900s, there was a vaudeville show. They had Harry Houdini was part of it, and they had like a circus atmosphere. He worked in that. Uh, and uh, he was walking home, him and a couple of his buddies one night, and they heard a noise going on, people singing and all kind of sounds going on. And back, in, back in that day, there was no air conditioning, so the church, what they would do is they would raise their windows up. And this Pentecostal church, Raised their, had their windows raised, and they were, man, they were getting after it. They were praising God and just singing and having a good time. So my grandfather heard that, and he told his buddies, he said, let's go in here. We'll get a good show out of this. This will, this will be something to look at right here. So he went in there, and uh, lo and behold, before that night was over, the same Holy Spirit that healed his legs as a boy saved my grandfather that night. And called him into the ministry all in the same night. And you know, the destiny of the Wetzel family was changed forever that night. One word from God. My grandfather walked in that place. He's going to make fun of him. He's going to laugh at him. And the Holy Spirit touched his life. He saved his life and gave, called him into the ministry. And after that, my grandfather's life was changed. And it changed the encore the course of my entire family. And I want to give you some examples of how that happened. My grandfather, he was in the ministry for over 60 years. 
He planted churches all over and mentored dozens of young ministers. And right before he died, I'll never forget this. I was about 30 years old. He called me right before he died. He made a special attempt. And he called me and he said, Mike, you need to get into the ministry. Up into his last few hours, he was still reaching out to grab people and bring them into the Lord. And he uh, he died not shortly after he called me, and that, that had an effect on my life and one of the things that catapulted me into the ministry. But then my, my, uh, my dad, he started preaching when he was 14 years old. Him and his two brothers, they had a tent. And they, they had tent revivals all over the, the south. They would, they would had a bus. They would drive and take that tent. And, and so many people got saved under that ministry. And it all started with my grandfather. You see, my grandfather's life was changed. And it changed his life. Then my father's life was changed because he saw what happened to my grandfather, when, when, how my grandfather lived when he was born. And then him and his two brothers they were preaching all over the place. And my dad preached a youth revival when he was 17 years old at a, a church in, in uh, Columbus, Georgia, where my mother happened to be a youth leader there. She was about 19, a couple years older than him. And uh, my dad, he asked my mother, it's funny, he didn't know, he'd never been on a date, didn't know how to ask a girl out. So he asked her he, one night, he said, uh, if he said, would you like to go out and have some fellowship with me? <laughs> so they started fellowshipping together and they fellowshiped for over 50 years uh, together. And my mother, she was the only one in her entire family that was saved. And during that same revival when my dad met my mother, my mother's entire family, her, her, her sisters and her brother and her, and her mother were all saved in that revival. And uh, so her whole family came to know Christ. And, and, and my uncle, her, my mother's brother, he that got saved, he was like five or six years old during that time. Well, as he grew up, my grandfather mentored him, and he started pastoring at age 18, and he's still pastoring today. Over 50 years in the ministry, that he and he is still going strong. And that all stems back from what my grandfather did when he got saved. And that's not all of it. My brother, he's been ministering for over 30 years. And then my youngest son, Travis, he's, he's going to be preaching his church today. And then that leaves me, and I'm here for you today to preach. And that's four generations, four generations of ministers and counting. I got a grandson that likes to talk, so he might be the next one. But I want to tell you something. What happened to my grandfather? changed our entire family and it can change yours you know there's no more abandoned children in our family no more suicide god changed our destiny all it takes is one word from god to reverse the curse and set your life on a different course he did it for my grandfather and it changed our family he can do it for you you can be that first one today maybe you're you're in the same place my grandfather was at Give your heart to the Lord. Watch him change you. Let you be the agent of change for your family. Let that curse be reversed because of what God does in your life. And don't listen to the lies of Satan. You see, it's the devil that wants you to suffer. 
It's the devil that wants to rob you of your joy and your peace. It's the devil who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Paul says the weapons available to us through God are not just to get by, but to demolish these strongholds. Do you see how this works? When the enemy comes in with these thoughts, these negative thoughts, and tries to torment us or cause us to live an act contrary to the word of God, we need to begin to fight with the same weapons Jesus fought with. So that is to quote the word of God. Listen, here's some examples. If the devil says you're not saved, then you go to John chapter 1, 12 and read this. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, you believe on Jesus Christ, you are Christian, you are saved, and there's nothing that Satan can do about it. If the, if the devil tells you that God will not forgive your sin or heal your disease, go to Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. That's what the word of God says. The word of God is truth and the devil's a liar. So just remember that. Anytime Satan tries to tell you one thing, you find the word of God and you, you tell him right back what the word of God says. If you feel rejected and without hope or resources, Psalm 102 verse 17. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. You need to, uh, we need to remind Satan of this, right? Of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Listen, when you get saved and give your life to the Lord, your past is just that. As far as the east is from the west. Your sins are gone. What you, Who you used to be are gone. You are a brand new creation. You've been born again. You are a new creation, clean, and just as spotless clean. And, and, and Satan wants to remind you of your past. A lot of times Satan will come in and say, well, this is how you used to be. This is your past. When he does that, you remind him of his future. Satan is going to be thrown into the lake of fire to burn in hell forever and ever and ever. That's his future. Our future is to live with God in the new Jerusalem in heaven for, for eternity. Never have another pain. Never have to worry about suffering anymore. That's our future. You know, life is a battlefield, so we need to really guard our thoughts. You, you, we need to be careful what we read. Be careful what we look at, what we watch, and we need to be real careful what we let into our mind. They, you need to be real careful what you listen to. Listen, the Bible says to take our thoughts captive. And, and when that thought, you can't help what Satan puts in your mind, but we can help what we do with it once it, get, it lands in there. We can take that thought captive. We can cast it out. And whatever that thought is, that lie from Satan, we can turn around and put the truth of God's word back there in our mind where that thought came from. I want to go to Romans, and this is I'm closing with this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Because this is your act, spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, God says don't conform yourself to this world. When we, when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, we begin right at that moment to be transformed, that our mind is to be transformed and to be renewed. We have to take all the years of, that we had in there of negativity, of all the thoughts that Satan put in there, and we need to begin renewing it with God's word. And the Bible says that once we are transformed and by the renewing of our mind, then it says this, we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. In other words, once our mind becomes renewed, then we will know what God's will is for our life. Since God's got three wills, he's got his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Listen, I don't want his good will. I don't want the pleasing will, but I want God's perfect will. And that's what happens in our life whenever we allow God's word to infiltrate our mind and to cleanse our mind. And our minds become renewed and transformed. And, and that's how we defeat the mind games that Satan tries to to do with us. I just want to pray with you this morning. Dear Lord, I thank you, God, for the people that are watching today. God, I just pray that whatever Satan is lies that are feeding them, the God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will touch lives today. And God, that your word will begin to speak to them. And Lord, and do away with all the lies that Satan has put in their heart. To know that no matter where they're at right now or how they're feeling, one word from you can change their life forever that their destiny could be changed through one act that they do to you, God, and that you could give them everything they need. Lord, I thank you for that today in the name of Jesus. Amen.